don't make days for us to be sad, discouraged, disappointed, dis anything. In fact, there is no dysfunction in your kingdom. Amen. There's no disappointment. There's only encouragement, love, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for that. And we receive it today. We honor it. And we walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Perfect the sound system for us today, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about, and we prayed already for the day of prayer, and I want you all to keep that. Stay mindful today. Uh, Not just because, you know, when we pray here, it doesn't end the need for prayer. But as you reflect on others who are less fortunate than you, remember people who are in um, uh, Texas and Louisiana. Also, their family members who are spread throughout the world, uh, that they are concerned about their loved ones and have uh, compassion for them and ask God's special care and special help for them because certainly he will help those uh, who are in need. And so we know that they are in need, so we thank God for bringing the help that they are so desperately needing right now. So just can continue to lift that up and throughout the week and as long as the Lord puts it on your heart. Uh, because it does take time to recover from these disasters. You know, there's always fallout from it. People sometimes have anxieties way beyond uh, the time. And so it takes while, a while for the human soul to recover. And so we're, we're thanking God for what he's done so far. And we're thanking him for what he's going to continue to do on their behalf. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So today we're going to talk about the power of agreement and how important it is for us to understand how agreement happens and uh, what it's about, why God honors it, why it's so powerful, and uh, what what is there special about agreement that God honors? Why does he honor it the way that he does, and what is there in that that is so special to God? If you turn to Matthew chapter 18... In verse 19, uh, start there. Why don't, we, why don't we start in 18? Jesus says, truly I say to you, and here he is talking about the power that resides in the church and in his people. He says, truly I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching, and that doesn't mean you have to touch somebody physically. The, the uh, King James uh, touching really means concerning. Touching in your thoughts, touching in your your minds and so uh, I know people grab hands and say let's touch and agree but that doesn't really do anything except make your hands sweaty you know <laughs> you got to pray a long time that's a long handhold you know what I mean? but uh, you know what I'm saying it, it, it means concerning anything so he says if two or more of you shall agree concerning anything and he says it'll be done for you 
of my Father which is in heaven. And he means that. He means anything that you come into agreement on. So what we need to define is what is agreement. Because we may think we know what agreement is, but, but when we talk about why God honors it so much, there is something here that we kind of need to explore, and it would be profitable for us to explore it. So he says, if two or of you shall agree on earth as concerning or con- con- concerning anything that they shall ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together, in my name. Amen. And don't, doesn't mean in the name of Jesus. You know, throw the name out like that. <laughs> there I am in the midst of them. So what Jesus is saying is he is the agreement agent. Man, he's the mediator of the new covenant. And that's what makes it a lock. That's what gets a lock on your uh, prayer of agreement, is that he is there in the midst of it, and he is uh, participating, agreeing, throwing his weight behind it, throwing his sanction behind it. And so if you're gathered together in his name, now what does that mean? Well, that means anything that God stands for. If you're agreeing about relief efforts for people in in the flood areas uh, then he's right there in that that's something that he would approve of because he tells us to be concerned about those who are less fortunate amen he said when i was in prison did you visit me when i was sick did you come and see after me when i was in these situations did you attend to me and so when we've done it to the least of them we've done it unto him that's actually jesus there uh, receiving the ministry that you give mother Teresa, uh uh her her uh, sisters of the poor you know and, uh, they started out in in one city in calcutta in india and she would always teach the nuns that they could experience ministering to Jesus as they bathed. She, they would see people and they were repulsed by them. They had sores all over them. They'd pull them off the streets. Their, their flesh was rotting. They were dying out there in the streets. And she made a vow to God. She said, I believe everybody should have a clean bed to die in. And they would pull people off the streets and begin to clean them up and bathe them. And some of the the nuns, some of those young girls were from wealthy backgrounds, many of them. They'd never seen anything like that. And they were so repulsed by what they saw. And she said, no, wait a minute. This is Jesus you're bathing. And she so instilled that in them that many of them would would experience a supernatural transformation where they would not see that person anymore. They saw the image of Christ lying in there. You understand what? It's real. You see what I'm saying? So when God tells you something, he's not just exaggerating. Amen. And many of those nuns found it out. And they would document those experiences. And many of them had that experience of that person. Amen. Being transformed into an image of Christ as they were ministering to them. And that that brought great joy to them as they did their work. And so, you know, you can always find joy in what God gives you to do. You know, if you live for God, there's great joy in your life, period. I mean, there's always something good there that you can talk about. And so the power of agreement is very powerful for several reasons. Agreement really is the insurance 
of God's create uh, uh, God created everything through the power of agreement. Okay? He did. If you turn to Genesis one, we'll go there. We'll show you. One verse one, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, the people believe there is a time span between the first and second uh, verses of chapter one. He created the heaven and the earth, and it was good when he created it. Amen. And then something happened, and it came to a place of being without form and void. And what they believe happened was Satan fell like lightning from heaven and he fell to the earth. And so when he fell to the earth, that caused the earth to be shattered and fragmented and without form and void. Whenever iniquity comes into a situation, it begins to destroy it. Whenever sin comes, let me put it this way so we can understand it. Whenever sin comes into a situation, it begins to destroy it. Now, if you don't believe that, look at all the young people who start out in love. and Pretty soon they at each other's throats, cheating on each other. and Or they shack up for years and somebody gets the bright idea, let's get married. Well, it's not a bad idea except you got to go before God and repent of your sins before it can be. Or you take all that sin and iniquity right into the relationship. What's wrong with the earth today is we tolerate too much sin out of people. We just sanction it and say it's okay. Huh? That's why, and everybody's suffering from it because even the sinners are sick of what they've done to the earth and don't feel they have any power to stop it. What they're stopping is the, the uh, righteousness that would correct the situation. They're stopping Christians from speaking out. They're stopping people from rescuing people from their own sins. You know, if you call uh, telling homosexuals that, that what they do is sin, if you call that hate speech, what you're doing is you're ushering them right into a fiery hell. Because then you stop the gospel from being able to rescue them from themselves. People aren't really dying at the hands of other people. We're destroying ourselves with our own iniquity. And so the only explanation for the earth being created by God in the beginning and then being without form and void as iniquity came into the earth and began to cause it to dissipate and deteriorate. And so God came in. You know, whatever God does lasts forever. What the devil does is temporary. So don't hook up with him. Because the ride might be fun for a minute. You know, you know how some kids, if you go to their house to play with them after a while, they want to take over and show you they're the boss. minutes and then they want to take all the marbles they want to tear everything down and destroy everything amen and so you know when you that's the kind of dude he is you can't hook up with him you can't trust him amen don't go on the wild ride with him (laughs) had to restore so really it looks like 
Verse 2 is a restoration verse. And the rest of it. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said. And so you see here the power of agreement. You see God the father of the Godhead making a mental evaluation about the condition of the earth. Those words, it was without form and void, is a mental evaluation or a judgment from a person who is the head decision maker. And that's God the Father. It's like fathers in homes should be the head decision makers. Oopsie, I shouldn't have said, oh, that's hate speech. That's some more hate speech. Huh? You know, I feel sorry for men. They don't know if they should take the lead, go sit down somewhere, blow their brains out. Messing with these crazy women with the, well, whatever them hats are, caps they put on their heads marching around. So the father makes a decision. And he says, uh, let there be light. So here you see the word springing forth from the mind of the father. Just like your, your children are your offspring. Your children spring forth from you. Jesus, the word of God, sprang forth from the father. Words are offspring of your thoughts. They don't just come out of nowhere. You say, I didn't mean that. Yes, you did. You didn't mean us to hear you say it, but you meant it somewhere in you. You know, you ain't crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So your, your words are offsprings of your thoughts all the time. People say, well, I just slipped up. I was mad. I say, yeah, but you harbor that on the inside of you. That's how it sprang forth out of there. It was in you all along. You know, it's a good thing, too, because then God can, you can look at that and say, God, you know what? I do need help. If that's what's on the inside of me, help me. Get that out of me. I don't like that. That's a blessing right there to have that stuff revealed. And get rid of it. Praise God. So God allows the creative, his creative Godhead was able to correct and restore the earth Before he placed the man and the woman in there, all this creation took place first in a matter of uh, six days. He rested on the seventh day, and he placed man in the garden with instructions. And so here God, the creative element of God, does work through the power of agreement. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit agree in creation. Words are said, the spirit hovers over the words to carry them out. The spirit knows when to cause the words to manifest. The world stands due to the power of agreement. It's still here because of the power of agreement. The Bible says that the Lord upholds the world by the word of his power. 
God also exalts his word above his name. So the word is essential. But you cannot think of the word alone. It has to have a uh, an origination point somewhere. So and and for it to manifest, it has to have an ability to make itself material instead of just spiritual all the time. So that's how the Holy Spirit works with the Father and the Son in agreement to cause the things that we see happen on the earth either continue to happen, change, something like that. So then because God gave man dominion over the earth, he said be fruitful, multiply, increase, subdue. Subdue doesn't mean kill. It means bring it into divine order. Uh, make it work for you instead of you being uh, a slave to the earth I want you to subdue it get it under your authority and under your control and let the earth work for you and so that's really what subduing means people listen to words like that and you know because we have carnal minds some words just come to us sounding negative and destructive all the time because we just evaluate them carnally. But if you look at what God meant, he didn't, Adam didn't know how to destroy nothing. When God created him, he knew how to do what God did. He didn't start cutting up until after he, he and the woman transgressed God's law and God's spirit was removed from them. He said, if I let them stay in the garden, eat of the tree of the life, they'll live in this condition forever. So he appointed us to die once, and after that, the judgment. But in the meantime, he would bring a Savior who would restore us back to eternal life, a relationship with God. And so when God, when Jesus says, if two of you agree... As touching anything on earth, he's really talking about two people who are born of his spirit. Why? Because he says, I'll be in the midst of you. If you're gathered together in my name, you must be born of my spirit. Sinners do not gather together in his name. You hear people like, I remember Stevie Wonder was saying, yeah, when we get in the studio, you know, God is in the midst. I said, you better go get your, Bi- get your Braille Bible and go read it. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Because I'm sure they do make them by now. And he can well afford one. He's sitting up listening to what some religious spirits and told him. Jesus ain't in your recording studio and y'all in there half high smoking weed cussing. (laughs) So when man agrees he must do it in order for God to honor it he has to do it as a born again creation for this scripture to be valid. So when you're born again what happens is your, your spirit man, which was separated from God, and man is a triune being, spirit, soul, and body, and God expects all three of those to agree for you to receive anything from him. This is what people don't like about that. The hardest thing that we have to deal with is the soul. Got to renew your mind 
that's still valid to do. I know some of us have been saved a long time. We think we all together. But every day is a washing of your soul in the word of God from the pollution that you live around every day. You know, the sinners in your midst and the crazy people and the people trying to talk you out of being a Christian, talk you out of obeying God and doing all those things. You know, you have to continually wash your mind in the water of the word and renew it so that you agree in your thinking with God. Thinking is the one thing people think they can cheat on more than anything. You can't cheat God. That's why sometimes healing comes very slowly. Because we're renewing our minds. We've been sitting up listening to, well, you you sick because of this. And you can't get healed because of this. And you, you eat the wrong things. And you do the wrong stuff. And all this kind of stuff. And we sit up and listen to that. And before we know it, our soul is so filled of things counter to the truth of God's word. When the word comes and, and says you're redeemed from the curse of sickness, what's in your head begins to argue with that. And it'll wrestle it down and pretty soon you go around accepting symptoms because you think that that's true. But if you're redeemed of the curse of sickness, the curse really is penalty for bad living. Oh, sorry. Did y'all get that? I know it sounds, see, nobody here wants to really accept that because you think that's not fair. Because if you think that way, that means you'll go off living bad and thinking you can get away with it because you're saved. That's the way the carnal mind operates. That's why many times people will accept consequences of, of making mistakes in what they eat. And who doesn't? Good gravy. Every, every five years it changes. Five years ago, uh, margarine was good and butter was bad. Now butter's good and margarine's bad. You know what I mean? So there's a devil out there lying to somebody like every few years to get you upset about yourself for enjoying your food. You know, the devil is a religious devil. He, he'll get you in so messed up in your head you won't enjoy anything in life. You think you're not supposed to enjoy nothing. You get guilty if you do enjoy it. And if you rejoice that your sins, listen, you rejoice that your sins are forgiven because you don't have to pay the consequence of it. Are you kidding me? What do you mean? You're forgiven and you still got to live bad because you did something wrong 25 years ago? Get real. What kind of God would do that? There's so many criminals running around. If they found evidence, they would be locked up. And they think nothing of it. I just got away with that one. huh? Well, that's the way Christians need to live. We got away with that one. Because I'm telling you, I should be dead, buried underneath the... For what I did. And I thank you, Jesus. Listen, as long as you accept your pardon with thanksgiving, you're okay with God. You got me? You're not getting away with nothing. And if you are, repent. 
you know, get that clear. You know, it, you won't go too far in God's kingdom if you don't get that straightened out. If you don't understand that Jesus paid full price for your sins to pardon you and never to bring up any punishment to you in your life again. God's not punishing you. You're punishing yourself. Listening to the devil. Listen, nobody gets away with anything. Galatians 5 tells you he is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. But sowing and reaping is different than punishment. Well, some of y'all, one person agrees. I don't know what's, I don't know what's wrong with y'all Christians, but y'all need to really get saved in here. kind of thing would that be if you your parents every time you you they took a look at you and they throw up in your face what you did when you was two years old you got me <laughs> they need to ban some family reunions you know what i'm saying man man remember when you did something bro, bro, you remember? no i don't remember none of that that person died a long time ago I'm the ghost of bar past. And barely that. No, your sins are forgiven. Anybody who will accept Christ gets forgiveness of sins. And I mean all of them. Forever. Huh? So, what God does then is he, when we sin, we get disconnected from his power. When we're born again, we get reconnected with his power. And that way your spirit, your soul, and your body can come into agreement with the spirit of God and do great things for him. That's why you get the permission like whatever you bind on earth is bound in whatever you loose on earth. You know, the blank check to do whatever God puts on your heart to do. Got me? And so, and this is what holds people up some with this doubt. God, you really mean it? Because we're so used to being hindered because we don't trust ourselves. After you've been living in sin all your life, you really don't trust yourself. So you've got to live under the blood and authority of the blood of Jesus to get to the place where your conscience is really purged from dead works so that you can serve the living God. And when I say purged, I mean not even a shadow of doubt in you that God will use you and use you mightily. You got me? And we have to live like that. You got you got to kill doubt and and unbelief and all those things that want to hinder because the soul is where the enemy can play around and hinder you from coming into agreement, spirit, soul, and then your body will follow. Yeah. So Jesus wants to empower the spirit, our spirit, with his life. So it's restored. He wants total restoration of us as restored from the fall. It is restored with a new birth and spirit, soul, and body can work as one. And so when we come into agreement as an individual person on his word and with the right spirit about it, then we can do great and mighty things. And when two of us get together and agree, Jesus said, if you'll do that for me, see, we're doing agreement for him. We're not doing it 
uh, for me because I want something real bad or for you because you were doing it for him. You know why? That advances his kingdom down here. And so he says, I want to find people who will agree with me how important it is for me to get work done here and I have to do it according to my system, my structure, the way I do things. If he upholds the world through agreement, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then his kingdom will in like manner be increased and advanced in the same way. You got me? It has to be consistent all the way down the line. So that's why he puts a high level of honor on agreement between believers when they gather together in his name. And what that says is, God, I set aside what I want personally. I set aside all my selfish desires and I want to come to agreement for what you're doing in your kingdom and work for you. And that's how things get done down here as far as God is concerned. He will bless us for it. He will honor us. He will increase us. You get all the blessings and benefits of the covenant based on your obedience to him. But but you need to understand why agreement is so powerful. Why agreement in his name is not worked against by God. Why God can do extraordinary things when we agree see yesterday when we went out witnessing everybody was in agreement that we were going to do what we did that's why people like fell into your laps when you went out there amen that's why always we always take authority over this strife that people can you know competing i want to talk first do you let me talk first or whatever if you put the holy spirit amen if you put the holy spirit in charge he'll cause somebody with a bad spirit their tongue will cleave to the roof of their mouth amen or they'll get so confused they don't make sense and then you say well let me explain to you thanks brother for helping and let me explain to you what the deal is here whatever it is and so god if you put him in total control like that and you come into agreement then anything that disagrees will be stopped extinguished cursed killed put out you got me and so he says whatever you bind on earth so you bind strife away from situations you bind pride away from situations you bind all evil workings away from these situations so you can have the free flow of what god wants to have in a situation you know so you have to you have to be able to understand how agreement works how authority works how power works and stay in that flow just stay in that flow that's why we you know i know it looks bad to y'all after the meetings people had a doubts about uh you know making people be quiet not prophesying to people after the meeting it looks bad and the devil wants it to look bad you see but if we're going to keep an atmosphere where God can heal somebody or you can get a prophecy that will carry you for the next three months or so or God can do a mighty work there we have to keep everything under God's authority you can't let people just come in 
just so we can say we're nice people. You know, I I gave up on being nice along. I would try to be as nice as I could, and people people still call me mean. So I said, well, yes, I'd just be mean then. Huh? So true. You got to be who you are. You understand what I'm saying? Is not that I don't make mistakes. Y'all do too. But see, because I'm up here, I get criticized more than you. I don't see your mistakes. You see what you see your imagination imagining things about me the way innocent little me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I got over it. I had to get over it. You understand what I'm saying? You need to get over it too. Because you'll never do anything for God with fear of man all over you. Wonder what man's gonna think. So yeah, if we have to put them out, we don't put anybody out. They just leave. You know, devils aren't welcome there. We let them know that. Amen. And I'll show people after these people. We after we correct them, they get all angry and belligerent. I say, see, that's the spirit they wanted to put on you with their words. Do you want that? You know, you got to show some people. They'll let anybody prophesy to them and talk to them. They lose, just walk up and grab your hand and start talking. Are you kidding me? I said, I'm going to show you what they really got in there. Miss Nola, go out and make them stop. <laughs> I said, do you want that inside of you? Because that's just what they have to offer you. Take that crap to your own church. Praise the Lord. Huh? <laughs> so the fact that God honors agreement with the Godhead means that he honors it with us because we're made in his image why would he not so he honors agreement with humanity why we have dominion on the earth that's never been taken away it was diminished because of iniquity and because of the curse but it gets restored with the new birth and with our yielding to the power of God within us. When you, when you overcome mental strongholds, you know, the things that, that plague us that we don't want to believe are still working, you know. They always work. It's just that we're, we're not aware of it as much as at other times. And then sometimes we'll get to something and it's hard to get over it real quick. And that's to say it's the stronghold working again. So you got to go back in the word. You got to keep meditating on that. Renew that. Repent. God, get it out of me. I don't like it. Let's, I can do better. Help me. You know what I'm saying? And so God honors that when we come into agreement with his word, spirit, soul, and then the body will follow. It's the soul that's going to give you the hardest time. You have to learn how to cast certain thoughts down when they come instead of entertaining them. I I can remember uh, somebody gave me a prophecy. No, they were going to read me a prophecy and they read three words. And I told them, I said, well, don't read me anymore. Well, I don't see why you think you're so good. You can't. I said, that's why. I'm too good to listen to that. Because it came from the devil. You can tell the first couple words what spirit is behind. You don't have to read the whole thing. Are you kidding me? I know some of y'all don't like that, but it's the truth. Learn how to discern. When the Holy Spirit puts up the red flag, that means don't let that come inside you. I belong to God. I'm not a whore. 
listen to every devil what he got to say. I'm trying to find stuff out. I already know enough to know that ain't God, and I'm not interested. So we know that sin caused separation from God and from one another. Sin put man into a mode of selfishness, blaming, accusation, self-preservation, hatred, you name it all. When we are more concerned about ourselves than one another, agreement is broken. Amen. So you, and sometimes you can you can submit to to agree to get certain things done, and then the devil start picking at you. You ever you ever had that happen? Like if you're married, you know, you say, "Well, baby, I don't really mind. You know, we can do this and do that," and, and it goes on for a while, and then someone will say, "You need to get what you want sometime." Then you get hell in you. Next time he come in, well, when are we going to do what I want to do? <laughs> Oops, I did it again. Uh, things was going along fine as long as you were in agreement. And then all of a sudden, I jumped the devil. Huh? That's true. He will, if you get along good, trust me, honey, he watching to see what he could put some thought in there, some errant thought. Huh? If you jump up and try to get it yourself, there's no guarantee you'll get it. If you're causing upset and, and disturbance in your home, you know, lack of peace in your home, you think God's going to honor that? So you might as well say, well, God, this is my sacrifice and my offering to you, and I expect that you will take care of me in due season. When I've sown enough into this marriage, huh? Problem is, people bankrupt their relationships before they get anything banked in it. Huh? Anybody who's tried to save money will know that. You start a savings account, you got $30 in there. And every time you, you think about something, that $30 bug in you, oh, yeah, I could use my 30 Well, you'll never save it. That you ought to consider saving don't belong to you no more. If you're going to save it. Huh? And don't put it in your kid's name and then have all kind of checks bouncing in their name and all that. Don't go there. They wrecked their credit before they even got born good. So when we're more concerned about ourselves than one another, agreement is broken. And the enemy will try very hard to get you to break agreement. Sometimes you'll get a better idea. Somebody wants, you know, somebody says, well, you'll say, well, you know, what do you want God to do for you? You know, obviously they need to be healed. Amen. And and they'll say, well, you know, could you pray that the surgery will be successful? You know, instead of doing that, we want to get a bright idea. (laughs) You don't need surgery. Now I've done that because I thought that was a better way. And it is if that's what they are, where they are. So you got to encourage them to stay in the word anyhow because eventually they will need it. You know what I'm saying? And find a scripture that will satisfy them so they can go peacefully. They don't need to be striving with the, the saints over, you know, how to get their healing. They need to, to get it. You know what I'm saying? 
it's hard sometimes to get people over in that realm of faith i've I've worked at it before some people will will get in there you know what i'm saying because that's their lifeline but to some people they're holding out that man has one more thing for them to help them even though they've been told there's nothing there you got me and so and so you know we have to have to understand and listen you're not wrong for wanting the best for people you got me that's not wrong but there is a place where you can agree you have to make agreement more and peace more important than being right or getting a you know what i say it can easily drift over to i'm right and you're wrong kind of thing but but i know that i've been coached over into believing god for for the best which is the word only that the word will manifest amen so in order for us to for uh, in order to have agreement work properly we need a mediator so we're going to talk about the mediator the mediator causes each side to agree either by discussion by litigation that's going to the law and seeing what the law says about it or by compromise so then jesus is our mediator of the new covenant and he will take what one person wants from god and what the other person understands from god and bring those together into a prayer of agreement orchestrated by the holy ghost so when you pray in tongues you get the perfect agreement prayer amen so jesus mediates between us to make sure we get a lock on that prayer so that he can give it to us and cause it to come to pass so you must have a mediator folks you can't just bombard people and say well we're going to pray this way and you have to have him to mediate so the mediator causes each side to agree the mediator brings peace between the two if i can tell you anything peace is of the utmost importance to god that is number one to him amen this business of who's right and who's wrong means nothing you can be a hundred percent right and come out on the losing end every single time you can't take right to the bank it won't pay your bills it won't slim you down or make your teeth whiter you got me it's it's like a a fake trophy you know of of our striving against one another Uh well god wants his peace god say yeah they wrong well what you gonna do about it you better forgive them if you want to be right with me see peace is right with god that's all that's important folks peace is right with god that's why god said blessed are the peacemakers he singles us out he didn't say blessed are the judges or the lawyers amen but the peacemakers so the mediator brings peace between the two sides so that agreement is possible there is no agreement without god's peace in the middle of it jesus mediates a new covenant and that's peace with god god honors us when we imitate him selfishness is what causes strife and fear fear is what puts people into selfishness 
You scared you ain't going to get nothing. Or you're scared you're going to be the one to, to do all the work. You don't even know how to spell the word. Most people. That's, that's why you're so scared of it. You ain't got no familiarity with it, with it all. Huh? And so we're always afraid we're not going to get. Which means you don't trust God. Huh? <laughs> people say stuff. <laughs> I had a, a woman that, you know, she, I would ask her, she had an estranged husband. And I would ask her, I said, well, is he saved? No. Ouch. I felt that. And I'm saved. You know what I'm saying? Want to pray for him? I guess not. I said, sorry, I asked. You know, I want to pray for him. And she'd always tell me, your husband's such a nice man. I said, yeah, and he mine. I said, but they don't come like that. Mine came just like yours came. I mean, you got to have sense enough to help yourself. A prayer for a spouse is help for you. Well, it's funny. God, you know, every time you pray for them, God, God do this, do that, he'll start working on you. You got me again, God. They, they, the old folks used to say, here I am again, standing in the need of prayer. I don't know why I stand Yep, 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 that's me, that's me. Until you learn how to quit judging people. Huh? You get your little hanky mood, as my mother used to say. You don't hang, get them hanks on you. You know, people are something they either. I, remember our Aunt Sylvie? Baby, you better keep you some money in your purse, keep them hanks off of you. And then my mother would say, get them hanks off you. We never did know what them hanks were, but we knew they was bad, right? Get them hanky moods. Had them hates on you, girl. And, you know, that's what you do. You find them things on you. You got to pray them off. You got to get in your word. You got to repent. You get yourself back again. Why? Because you want to keep peace with God, man. You, that he's your only help. You lose help. You lose peace with God. And you have lost your major help in life. Amen. So you go for the peace above all things. You learn how to let things go. You don't have to win no argument. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. You don't have to be right. Man, you can let Jesus be all that for you. Man. It's amazing. You be wanting to show people something so bad, and then you get over it, and then it happens, and you're just like, huh, what? Right. Yeah. That was the right attitude to have about it in the beginning. Man. So... <clears throat> We always want to have, sometimes we want to have superiority or control that negates agreement. See, if you're afraid you're not going to get anything out of the situation, you will never come into agreement and peace with God. You got to know that the Lord is your portion. Amen. When you got him, you got everything. You don't need to argue and strive with people over nothing. Let God work it out. 
so and, and keep peace. You know, if, if telling somebody to shut up brings peace, then do it. You know what I'm saying is sometimes people need to shut up. Just spouting off the devil stuff all the time. But if that don't do it, you know how to walk away. And let them stand there and talk to themselves. So when God created the world, he began to talk to himself by saying, let us do this. And this is what we do. You talk to yourself more than you do anybody else about what's going to go on in your life. And what you say to yourself is, let us allow God to do X, Y, and Z in our lives. That's what you say to yourself. Like the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says she said within herself, if I could just touch it. See, she agreed on the inside of her with God's word. Her spirit got ignited when she heard about Jesus. And then she said she meditated on that and she thought it through and she came to a conclusion. It's very important what conclusion you come to. She came to the conclusion that this man heals everybody who goes up to him. He don't turn. He, she said, nobody has ever heard him say, no, I won't heal you because. Or no, you don't deserve it because. Now, that's what she got at the temple every time she went in there. She couldn't even go in there. Huh? So she decided, hmm, he's operating like a high priest, but better. Huh? But better. She said, he's a prophet, he's a priest, he everything. Whatever I need, he can see. So she said within herself, if I could just touch him. Huh? In other words, he doesn't need to touch me. Now, she'd seen him touch a lot of people, but she made up her mind. She said, if something happens when he touches people, and it can happen just by touch. So he don't have to reach out to me. I can reach out to him and get what I need. Amen. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, she said within herself, I know I'll be made whole. Not feel better. He ain't a feel-better God. He's a healing God. Amen? So she says, I know I'll get my total restoration if I can just touch him. See, she never diminished her goal when she was going to the doctor. She wanted to be made whole. So why would she go to God and get a feel-better? You got me? You got to go there with intent of getting everything taken care of. So we said selfishness causes strife, wanting to have superiority, control, negates agreement. Some people are not happy if they ain't running everything. You got me? You got to find a way to get control, and then they're happy. Amen? It's like the devil. Once he destroys it, then he's done. You know? I want to whine and talk about whose fault it is that he did all that stuff. So God agrees with himself by saying, let us. That's the same thing you do in the inside of you. God, let us, me, you, and Jesus together, get my healing, get my new job, get my promotion, get whatever it is. Okay, And that is a peaceful way to entreat the other person 
and allow peaceful agreement. This is why don't we ask God for, why don't we pray about so and so and such and such? You never go to people in accusatory manner. Well, you need to do so. No, 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 no. Let us do this. Amen. Let us go to God and ask him to do so and so. And I'm sure God will do that for you. You got me? Just like Jesus would say, surely, surely, verily, verily, I'm sure God will do that for you. You understand? That's faith. Amen. So the end result of the first chapter of Genesis was peace. After God saw all that chaos, he worked on it. He said, let us do this, that, and the other. And at the end of the chapter, he said, and it was good. Amen. When you call God good, good will come. Amen. He wants to do us good all the time. You say what he says. So in Matthew chapter 18, you see the first part of the power of agreement under the new covenant covenant. Actually, Jesus was teaching the new way of life to his disciples. They were learning how the new covenant would work after he was ascended into heaven and they had the full power of his resurrection. So in Matthew chapter 18, we did that where two of you are gathered together. Okay. Mark chapter 6, if you'll go there. Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 6. Verse 7, starting there, he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey save only a staff, which, you know, use that for a number of things. If you got in trouble, that was the last resort for the beatdown, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but a staff, there were mountainous areas and you needed it for support. You know, that was, that was how they, they were aided in their walk. He said, no money, no bread, uh, no scrip in their purse, but be shod with sandals and don't put on two coats. In other words, don't go out with anything other than the bare necessities when I send you out to minister. As to why most of you women left your purses, you didn't, they didn't pay much attention to it. But that's how Jesus sent them out, two by two. You don't take extra stuff. In fact, there were some things, you know, things you need related to ministry. You know how you can forget those real easily. Why? Because it's uppermost in your mind to get out and do the work. Amen. And that's, what, that's why he sent them out with those orders. That have your mind on work. Have your mind clear of, see, if you took, got out there in your best clothes, you'd be thinking about how not to get them dirty, how not to do this. How not. He said, no, don't take anything that's going to distract you from your purpose. Just stay focused. And, and that's how the power comes. So if, if you could strip yourself of yourself... And step over into God, there's a lot of power there. There's enough power there to do anything God puts before you to do. And so that's what God always had as a command to his disciples. It wasn't that God don't want to bless you and give you stuff. But can you put stuff aside for a minute and go do some work for God? My goodness. 
you know, the first thing people want to read into that is that now God told him, don't take no money. You got to be poor to serve God. You better look like the part. When you come up in a rough neighborhood, you better look like you ain't got a whole lot. If you don't have a, a concealed carry, a CCP or whatever it is, we okay, Miss Tanya? If you don't have a, one of them, you know what I'm saying, you better strip down. Let's leave all your little worldly goods behind if you're concerned about anything. You can't be concerned about you and the work of the ministry at the same time. Amen. You know, it's best to get flat-footed if you can and, and, you know, roll your sleeves up if you're going to preach. You know, just be real. Just be real. But whatever you do, he wants you to stay focused on what he wants you to do. And that's agreement. Amen. So agreement, Jesus sent them out two by two. Agreement was necessary for obedience and survival. Excuse me. So you survive through the power of agreement and you obey through the power of agreement. Amen. Uh, sometimes people would be poorly matched. Now you see that in the situation with Paul and I think it was Timothy for me. Who did he leave behind one time? It wasn't Silas. Barnabas. He had to leave somebody behind because they broke out into disagreement. Which when you travel with Paul, that was real easy. Because you start looking at him bleeding all over the place and barely alive. And you think, hmm. I think I, you know what, Paul, I ain't feeling real good. I think I'm going to stay here and let you go. And that's really what happened. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. So Paul wore out a lot of traveling partners throughout his ministry. Just, hey, next, you know, but people reached their limits. But he had to make sure that they could come into agreement and understand what was facing them the next time. They had to go somewhere, you know. Like a lot of times, early in the prophet's ministry, people didn't like us because, where you meet at? In a schoolhouse? I said, yeah, honey, that's the only place the devil won't chase us out of right now. Tell the truth. Oh, you meet in so-and-so's living? Yeah, it's the only place the devil hasn't chased us out of. That's why, you know, it's good not to have things uh, move you, material things, appearance of things. See, I can go anywhere and preach to anybody and minister to anybody because I'm not moved by the appearance of things. I couldn't be. (laughs) Some of the places God has had us minister, are you kidding me? That will cure you of your love of stuff. (laughs) It will. So if I have to, to pray with somebody with sores all over their body, it doesn't bother me to touch them. You know, some of these preachers and guys so funny now, they don't even lay hands on their own people. They have other people touch them people. They don't touch nobody. Yeah. Grow up. You know, you go where God sends you. Be thankful every place he sends you, and he'll keep using you. That's what I'm interested. I care less about all this other stuff. Praise God. And people say, well, people don't like to come to a small church. Good. That's fewer people I have to be worried with like that. 
You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to be happy in the Lord. I, you know, big, little, don't bug me. Obedience is what I'm looking for. Huh? People with big churches make big targets. You better do everything right when you get in that spot. You do something wrong, you get creamed. Huh? They're always looking for you to be a spokesperson, got a microphone stuck up in your nose every time you go somewhere. You know, you be careful when you do that because you would be getting set up. Huh? Getting set right up. And it'll shock you how many nervous people you have in your congregation. No, next time the doors fly open, you got half the crowd you had the last time. Because they sitting up listening to what the media says about you. You got to be careful. Huh? Praise the Lord. So, if God wants us to live supernaturally when we minister, no money, no food, just enough to keep you going. You need a stick to lean on, take that. Huh? No fanny pack, chuck. Huh? No table, can't do that. They had no, no table money. Right. He said, don't take no money. Just go out here and preach and heal and cast out devils. You get your hands empty of everything, you can get free to serve God. People put off serving God all the time. Well, I got, you know, my kid's still little. I said 30, 32, and 33 is still little. They shouldn't be at home. Stay wherever peace is. P-E-A-C-E. Stay where peace is. He said wherever your peace, if you somebody invites you to stay in their home, God sets that up, okay? Wherever there's a peaceful place to stay, if it's in a manger with the horses and the cows, you stay there. If you got to scoop poop just to make a pathway to the front door, you stay there as long as it's peaceful. You go into a wealthy looking home, if there's strife there, get lost. Huh? They healed everybody that were oppressed. They cast out devils. Why? Because they obeyed the power of agreement. They had power and authority just as God did. Through the power of agreement. You come into agreement with the will of God and another believer humbles himself and join in with you. You can do great things in God. You try to go out by yourself. Now I, I admit there are times where you must minister by yourself. Because if you're just chatting with somebody and the conversation comes up, that's cool. But you will notice that the power of the Holy Spirit is very strong to help you in those situations. Amen. People will get the impression that they can do this themselves. Lone Ranger preachers, the devil likes them. Because then he can start giving them these visions and stuff that only they get. Be careful. Amen. When your imagination has something special for you. Man, now we all, we all want to be special. And we are to God. And we're important to God. But you can't step beyond what the Bible tells you is prudent to do. You understand me? 
I don't care if you can't find anybody else to go out with you. Don't let that be your excuse for running off by yourself all the time. Maybe you need to ask God for the right company. Huh? In Luke chapter 5, I want you to turn there. You see the miracle catch. How do you get it? Through the prayer of agreement. 5 verse 1. Came to pass in a certain city. Am I Luke 5? Ooh, wait a minute. As the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So he got in one of them. Jesus always used your free time, your surplus. Don't ever say God requires too much or you're too busy to. I'm too busy to. He takes what you're not using. In other words, he'll use your leftovers first. Your idle time. He'll use your nonsense. Well, you know, I got to watch Inside Edition. See, every day I watch my three shows. That's what he takes. The stuff that gets you in trouble. So he told the fishermen just to launch out into the deep. Push your boat out a little bit. Now, listen, Jesus knew how to run a boat. Why did he tell them to do it? Oh, come on, don't go deaf on me. If I, if I tell Sheree, I said, let me use your phone. And I said, oh, the prophet's reward is yours because you have blessed the prophet of God. That's, that's how that works. You've got to sow something to get something. Amen. He would have owed, if he had taken that boat himself, he would have owed them nothing. Remember that when God tells you to do it. It's because you need something. Listen, Jesus spared them fishermen a lot that day. If nothing else, but when they go home, hear the old lady, What you mean you ain't got no fish? You've been out all night with another woman. That's why, listen, when the man can spare you that, I mean, that's a big favor he done done in your life. Even if you didn't get but two fish that morning, you know, at least he spared you that kind of harangue when you get home. Oh, I know you've been out with that man. He won't, he won't use Jesus for excuse for everything around here in a minute. Peter didn't have to hear that that night when he got home. He was living like he died and went to heaven just not to hear his old lady scream at him. So he says they went, he went in one of the ships, which was Simon's, asked him who would go out a little to the land. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now Simon went out a little bit for God. What you give to God is merely a token. It's not real labor. If God would ask you to labor as hard as you do on your own, he'd be just like the devil. God only wants a token. 
That's why you give the tenth. He gives. You keep the ninety. He takes the tenth. And in an offering, if you desire, you got me. He's not taking a big chunk out of your day. He's taking your leftover time, sweetie. Don't ever lie on God and say He's requiring too much for you. And I can't go to church because I got to do this and I got to do that. See, if I didn't have to do, man, just cut it out. Stop it. What did Jesus say? He said, "Just launch out a little bit from shore to do me a favor, huh?" And so he launches out a little bit, and then Jesus preaches to the people, you know, does his miracles, whatever those people needed. He got it done. And he taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said, now you go out deeper for you. I'm going to show you where your reward is. So you take, now I owe you now. And so you go out where I tell you to go out. And get more than enough. Now, he could have fished right there in the shallows and got some fish. But Jesus said, God appreciates so much what you do. I'm going to tell you where the sweet spot for fishing is. And you go out there and I'll tell you exactly what to do, how to get it. And you come back with the reward God wants you to have. It's always bigger than what you give. Good measure. pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. And he doesn't ask you to do anything extraordinary. This is what Simon would do anyway. But this way God's his partner and his director and he's getting more than what he would have got on his own doing it. You don't put forth more effort for God. Are you kidding me? What God receives from us and blesses us for, we ought to be ashamed to say we did that little sometimes. Cut it out. It's a devil talking to you, trying to act like you do so much, and, and nobody else does that but you. Now, you just be careful doing all that. You be careful being up there at church on time, all the time, opening them doors up. You be careful going up there and cleaning bathrooms. And you be careful doing that. I, mean, I don't do that. That ain't my gift. I sit at the computer, and I just, you, you understand what I'm saying? Stop it. All of it. You got me? The little bit we do, you only do it two days a week anyway. The five, the other five days you get it a devil. We don't know what you do. You understand what I'm saying? Cut that nonsense out. Be thankful God will let you do something. I mean anything. Come on now. It's God we talking about. So Jesus tells him, go out into the deep. Simon wants to talk back to him. That's what your flesh will do. We did that already. That don't work. I know a lot of people prayed like that, and they never got what they prayed for. It's your time now. What you going to do? They had their turn, and it didn't work, I guess. But it's your turn now. What you going to do? You're going to live off the failure report of other people. You're going to believe the report of the Lord. The prophet's reward was due these people. That little bit of sailing Peter did to get Jesus back far enough away from the people so he could be heard and the people could gather around him, netted him a miracle catch. So... That set that man up in business for a long time. He said, when they had, they went, he said, Master, we had toiled all night 
and took nothing but, but, or nevertheless. Now, what is it that makes a person have a complaint and discouragement on the inside of them? Because at this point, Peter is hearing his wife complaining about no fish. So he got that all up in his head. Uh, he dealt with this woman all these years and them, them hungry kids at home and stuff. And she going, mm, Peter expecting it. I don't get it when I get home. How did this happen? I mean, nothing all night long. So he's got complaint inside of him because he verbalizes part of it. He gives himself away. Master. He'll call somebody master and argue with him. And that tells a lot. We toiled all night. And all of a sudden, it's nevertheless. It's a mind change. Mind flipped around. What would cause a person that's already set to give up and complain for their mind to flip around like that? What's the miracle atmosphere? Just just remember, what did Jesus just get finished doing? When Jesus preached, honey, he preached. It ain't like what we do, where you might get a few people that listen and the rest of them go to sleep. When Jesus preached, everybody wide awake. People he healed. And you know he did, because he healed people. He preached, taught, and healed. Everywhere he went, he was anointed. So a complaint cannot stand in a miracle-working atmosphere. Even if you convinced it ain't going to work. God will take your little carnal mind and flip it over so quick it will make your head spin. What were you saying, Peter? You want to finish your conversation, Peter? Oh, no, we're going to do it. Now, Master, we're going to do it. You say, yeah, you're going to have to. Because this atmosphere ain't going to let you do nothing else but. You know, be thankful God doesn't let us just do everything we want to do all the time. He can take your nonsense and flip it around. Jesus knew what he had to do. He had to do things the way he did it to prepare the atmosphere for the miracle catch. Everything he did was totally necessary. He wasn't trying to pick Peter out to see what he was going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And God knows exactly what you are going to do, what I'm going to do. That's why he prepares atmospheres for our success, not for our failure. Learn how to obey the atmosphere. Learn how to obey the Spirit of God when he's talking. So he said, nevertheless, at your word, we're going to do this. Jesus said, yeah, I know you will because you ain't got nothing else to do. See, either that or go let your wife tell you off when you get home. Huh? And he said, oh, we just worked so hard. Yeah, doing it in your own strength. You're going to learn something today, Peter. Huh? You know, stop trying to do You don't have nothing to prove to nobody. Yeah, a lot of times we go to work and always trying to think how to impress somebody. You don't need to impress people. Just come in on time. Don't look rough. Don't be under the influence. You know, nowadays the qualifications are kind of real slim for employees. All you got to do is stay awake for the whole shift or part of it. You know, I mean, come on now. It ain't hard. You're not on display everywhere. Huh? Just get over yourself. 
So he says, uh, at, the, at your word, we'll let down the net. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and the nets broke. And they called their partners, which were another ship, that they should come and help them. When they came, they filled both ships, and they began to sink. When Peter saw it, saw it, saw it, saw it, saw it. People have to see stuff sometimes. That's when he got convinced. Up until then, he was doing the same Peter thing. You know, little religious spirit, just being obedient, saying the right things, acting the right way. When he saw that, he was flabbergasted. Huh? And then he repented. Huh? For his attitude. Negative attitude. Huh? He said, just depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Instead of rejoicing. You know, sometimes when God gives you a miracle or gives you a blessing, the first thing it does is make you want to repent. You don't jump up and shout and jump around and run around the church and all that kind of stuff. You hit your knees. Huh? Because you thought God was one way, now you know He's how who he really is. He's revealed himself to you. So these men are trained fishermen. He returned with two boats full. At his word, they dropped the net. Huh? At the beginning, it was a one-boat task, but at God's word, it multiplied double. You find out exactly what God wants you to do and start doing it and see if your blessings don't multiply double. See, we can all, we'll all go out here and do nice things, things we think God wants us to do and be guessing and hitting and missing. Some people like that because they're always scared what God really wants them to do. Oh, well, you get it Tuesday. I don't know. Keep it on the shelf till you get it. Take it down later. God had the second boat come along. If he had not had a partner to agree with, they would have lost half their catch. Uh-huh. So agreement is powerful. Two are better than one. Why? They have great reward for their labor. Amen. It's always good to have a partner. In life, partner in prayer, partner in partner in the ministry. Amen. It's good to have partners that God calls alongside of you. Amen. So the harvest increases because of the power of agreement. Always be under authority. Don't try to go out and win. So I got my own ministry. Well, who's your authority? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Have people, and I'm not talking about somebody bossing you around. You know, some ministers are funny. We always, we like each other, but we don't trust each other. Uh-huh. You always think if you go sit in somebody's church, they want to boss you around. Well, we know you're ordained to do what you do. In fact, I'm glad you're here. Maybe you can help me sometime. You understand what I'm saying? It, 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 it's, it's like that, but it shouldn't be. It doesn't have to be. I always tell people who are called to ministry, I said, don't go in there and just try to sit and behave like a sheep. Let them know what you do as a ministry and find out if that's compatible with what they want to do as your authority. Amen? Everybody needs somebody to stand shoulder to shoulder. I don't expect ministers to sit down and jump hoops. I don't know who does that anyway. Sheep don't do that. They don't. People do what they want to do. 
But I'm thankful when God sees minister, sends ministers here because I see that they see something valuable in what's being taught. You understand me? I wouldn't interfere with what they do for anything in the world. Who am I? I'm not their boss. Who would I be to criticize another man's servant? They got to depend on God for what they need, just like I do. So I'm glad for the affiliation. I'm glad for the encouragement we give each other. I am thankful for the agreement that we can come in when we want to work for God. You got me? And that's as far as that goes. So when God starts to work in the power of agreement, you have to have a place to agree with them. Amen? I agree with you that you're working for God. I agree with you that you've been ordained. I agree with you. And whatever we can do to help you, let us know. You got me? And keep it moving. So in Second Kings 2, oh, sorry, Miss Tanya, what do we have, darling? Zero. How much? <gasps> I don't want it. Well, we got to, this is a cliffhanger. <laughs> Play me some cliffhanger music. Oh, no, don't do it. Oh, no, Tanya. No, don't back up. (laughs) Send me back up. No, we'll stop. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your work. I love. Your mom's poured a lot of love into you, sweetheart. And these are your sisters in the Lord pouring out more to you. Love always heals. Don't be so concerned about you giving out that you receive now. And you'll have so much to give. Because love heals. And we love you, Pam. All you ladies love Pam? Yes. See, we love you, sweetie. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever doubt it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.